Welcome to the BC and Yukon Book Prizes Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Cranberry, and this is a new segment of the show that's called Community Voices. In these episodes, I will speak to people who are working in the books and writing communities of BC and Yukon in order to highlight their work and to bring attention to their projects. The Community Voices segments will exist alongside the segment that's called Writing the Coast. And those episodes are hosted by Megan Cole, our friend and colleague from Powell River, who interviews authors whose books have been shortlisted for the BC and Yukon Book Prizes. You can find all of our interviews and conversations on SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Jessica Johns is a Nahiao auntie and a member of the Sucker Creek First Nation in Treaty 8 Territory of Northern Alberta. She is the managing editor of Room Magazine and a co-organizer of the Indigenous Brilliance Reading Series, a collaborative series between Room and Massey Books that celebrates Indigenous women 2SQ storytellers. She has been published in Cosmonauts Avenue, Glass Buffalo, CV2, Sad Mag, Red Rising Magazine, The Rusty Toque, Poetry is Dead, and Bad Nudes, among others. Her short story, The Bull of the Cromdale, was nominated for a 2019 National Magazine Award in Fiction, and her debut poetry chapbook, How Not to Spill, is out now with Rahila's Ghost, and I should add, is a winner of the 2019 BP Nickel Chapbook Award. Jess, welcome to the BC Yukon Book Prizes podcast. Well, thank you for having me. That was such a warm welcome. <laughs> Let's start by uh, talking about Room Magazine. Some of our listeners may not be familiar with it. So can you just talk a little bit about what uh, what Room Magazine is and uh, where it started? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Room Magazine is a feminist literary magazine um, that is based in Vancouver and has been in production for 43 years now. Um, So that's a magazine that publishes um, and highlights voices uh, and artwork of women, non-binary folks, trans men, and uh, two-spirit folks as well. And yeah, that's that's the general uh, idea of the magazine. We publish four issues a year, and it is pretty, uh, has published some really amazing voices, and I think you should all check it out. Let's talk a little bit about Growing Room. Growing Room is fairly recent addition to Room Magazine's projects, and yeah. uh, mm-hmm. just started a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. So this year will be our fourth year. So um, it has been in production now for... Uh, the past three years so technically we're a toddler festival we're just in the we're still like learning to walk Mm -hmm. um but we are growing and learning every year and um doing bigger and better things i feel like every time Uh, but it did start in 2017 with one of our room collective members um the magazine is run as a collective uh which i think is one of the defining and beautiful things about the magazine is that it's not just run and decisions are made by like four people. It's mm-hmm. um, a collective of folks who um, give a shit about, um, you know, anti-oppression and uh, diversity and inclusion in a, in a way that actually means something. So it started in 2017 by Ariel Spence, the festival was, and they built the festival um, from scratch. Like they didn't yeah. have anything to work with and they were just like, let's do this cool thing. And then for 2018, 2019, Shaleen Knight, who was the managing editor at the time, she took it and she just dug deeper and yeah. built uh, the festival foundation even more with further strongholds. 
And then it was passed on to me. So for this past year, I've taken the beautiful work that the two of them have done, along with the rest of the festival staff and volunteers and collective members, and we're doing this fourth one. Yeah, it's an amazing team. So talk about venues, because obviously Growing Room as a festival doesn't, uh, some festivals have like one location or, or for example, the Vancouver Writers Fest has Granville Island. It kind of keeps everything together. You guys have uh, maybe four or five separate venues across the city. Yeah, so we have, um, I believe five now. So uh, we have Massey Books. Uh, Massey Books is also our um, official festival bookstore. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've partnered with them from the beginning and they're absolutely amazing so we also hold some of our events uh, host some of our events at their venue we're also hosting events at the native education college which is um an ongoing partnership that we've had with them the fox cabaret which we've done always on our opening night at and the beaumont studios is a new one for us so we have we wanted to just really keep our venues in the same area or at least close ish so the Beaumont Studios is close to us as well. And then finally, Emily Carr right. uh, University. So we have a couple of different events, like within or a couple of different venues within the overall structure of the university. And those are five venues for the entirety of the festival. How do you program the the readers and the artists who are going to contribute? What's, what's the process for uh, making those types of decisions? Yeah, so we program by committee. So every single year we have a rotating committee that gets selected by the managing editor. And they all come together over a period of four months and program the entire festival. And yeah. it's done... That's done through a couple of ways. So it's done both by, you know, our own thoughts and recommendations when we come together. And it's also done through pitches from the community. Mm. So this just started last year where we actually took outside pitches from uh, either individual artists or publishers or publicists. And this year I felt it was really important because like I said, we're a collective and we're collectively run and those collaborative decisions are really important to us. And I think that is really important and I wanted to continue that legacy and having a committee and to ensuring that that committee members of the committee remained within mm-hmm. room magazine and within the collective but I felt like it was also important to collude include folks who were outside of room as well because I think it's very it can be a problem sometimes mm-hmm. if you're too insular and if you're too much in your own bubble yeah. and I believe that if you are making something for the community, which this is, that you need to, in a meaningful way, involve people from the community. And there's ways folks who are not directly involved with Room Magazine that can see things and can hold us to account in a way that if you're very insular and within your bubble, you might not be able to see or you might not be able to do. So we had members from outside of the Room Collective. We had Jillian Christmas, Carly Baker, and Serena Bandar, who is now a collective member, but at the time wasn't. They were also members of the programming committee. So they came in from outside and it was a really important aspect for me, mm-hmm. that these additional members of the committee were not just like, you know, very knowledgeable about like books and authors and stuff, but they were just, they were just important community members. Like yeah. they've done community work before and that they, you know, worked in that kind of, worked in that kind of mindset before. I felt like that was really important. And so that was how the committee was sort of made and how, so our decisions on programming was made from, 
this space of us all coming together and also taking in these pitches from our community members and a really big aspect of this for us again was not just like accepting these pitches and sort of running with them but accepting these pitches that were brought to us from the community and working with them to be curated to fit in the festival in a way that was again collaborative and I feel like that was done in a really beautiful way there was about nine because there's no way we can possibly even though there were, you know, six committee members for programming, there was still no way that we were all going to be able to effectively represent all the communities and voices that we wanted to and to to speak to those specific communities. So it was really wonderful having these additional sort of nine folks who had pitched things, really wonderful events or very unique events or just events that we felt were really important, but perhaps they weren't like, we wouldn't have been the best people to curate them, you know? And so working with them collaboratively on how to host the space and, you know, making tweaks to the events based on perhaps people we had already invited or, you know, just having those discussions was, was really important. So the process for curating was really in-depth and yeah, took, took four months, took a really long time mm-hmm. and it was done with a lot of thought and a lot of care. Well, community care seems to be an important part of how the festival is organized and I think conceptually how it approaches the work of, of organizing and including all kinds of people in the community. Checking out the website and part of, I feel like this is part of how you are uh, curating Growing Room at large. Accessibility is a big issue and under the community resources, there are links out to pages describing things like active listeners and toxicity prevention and a community resource and community guidelines. This seems like a a few steps further than a lot of other festivals have gone in terms of really taking care of their community. Can you talk a little bit about why that's so important to, to you and to Growing Room? Yeah, absolutely. Again, I feel like inheriting this festival legacy from Ariel Spence and Shalene Knight, if I was going to do that in a way that really honored them and honored the work that they've done, Mm -hmm. was to continue to put that work into cultivating as, as safe and as caring a space as possible. So from the very outset, that was really important to them. And it's, you know, it's really not something that was, that that wasn't new to the festival. This has been something that really was planted. The seed was planted right from the beginning. But this year and every year as we've done and, and learned from previous years, we just, we dig deeper into what that means. So, you know, the active listeners have been a part of the festival for the past couple of years. But, you know, we, we just thought really hard about, okay, well, if we are going to offer this kind of care, what kind of support do we need for that? So, you know, for the active listeners, we actually have an active listener coordinator this year. 
um, which we didn't have last year because the active listeners, as you know, and not a lot of people know what active listeners are. So I yeah. thought it was important to provide that information. It was just, it was a lot about information for people. Like mm-hmm. we thought that it was really important to ensure that folks knew who, what active listeners are, you know, their, their peers to be there at events and at the festival at large for folks needing someone to talk to. And as often happens at events, you know, thoughts and feelings will come up about things that are said and that can be positive or negative or or neutral but the they you know holding space for someone I think is really important and having folks to be able to do that work is is really amazing and same thing with the community guidelines we really wanted to uh, I thought about all these things as I do with a lot of my work I thought about them in terms of treaty relationships mm-hmm. and a treaty relationship is really built off of it is a relationship that's really built off of a mutual understanding and agreement of how you're going to be entering into relationships. So our relationship to our artists and our relationship to the attendees are really, we really want to base it in. This is the kind of space we're building. Here are our guidelines. When you come in here, when you come into these events or into this space, you know, here are the things that we're saying that we're at, that we're asking of you, which is, you know, practicing consent, being mindful and respectful of boundaries, you know, respectful call-ins in favor of call-outs, employing an ethic of non-interference. Like there's, and there's a couple more, but these building blocks of this is what we are going to do for you when you come here and this is what we expect to be reciprocated. And once you enter into a treaty agreement with somebody, you both are saying, we, we know this. And so, yeah. you know, it, it's coming into a mutual understanding of something. And I think that, especially because our festival is very intentionally, intentionally featuring and highlighting the voices of queer and trans, Black and Indigenous and people of color, like it's a very queer festival and it is predominantly BIPOC folks. So when that's the case, I think it's very important that you're clear about your, how you how you want that space to be held for folks and, you know, providing the community resources, I think is also really important. And again, this isn't something we, we thought up both the active listeners, community guidelines and community resources. This is something that versus festival has been doing for a really long time um, at the, uh, you know, headed out by Jillian Christmas and um, Dana Kadjis, who is also our active listener coordinator. Oh, um, great. And yeah, yeah. So again, like it was, it was this idea of, because um, this is the only way I know anything. It has been through mentorship and then through learning <laughs> through other people. So For it's sure. like, you know, all these brilliant minds coming together who've been doing this work for a really long time just being like this is what really worked for us and here's this resource and like you know Leslie Herdig at the um, Vancouver Mm -hmm. Writers Fest has been a wonderful resource for just like as a festival director you know what what do you do because I was like what do you do (laughs) you know so I feel like cultivating these sorts of things just acknowledging that they're they've they've come from other places and and wonderful people who have been doing this work for a really long time but also my thinking around it in 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 a way that you know really digging into this idea of care and you know safer spaces is really important to my understanding of even how to be in a space and my like how I come out a lot of my work 
And it's something that everyone here has been, you know, in just been 100% behind from the beginning. And, you know, working with Indigenous Brilliance and, you know, all the community work that I've learned from folks around me, Jay Simpson being one of them, again, Jillian Christmas, these, these people that have been doing this. And, you know, I've, I've, as a participant, been a part of those things. And I feel like trying to recreate that on this kind of scale has been, has been really, it's been really wonderful. And also, I think, if necessary, in terms of, you know, every year kind of going a step further or digging a little bit deeper. And this was the way we really wanted to dig in, in the, in the ways that we wanted to this year. Yeah, all the people that you've, you've mentioned, just three of them there, I mean, uh, Jillian Christmas and, and the folks at Versus, uh, those, those organizers and supporters of Versus Festival have done some really, really excellent work for a long time. I, I learned a lot uh, a couple of years that um, we were doing some real Vancouver stuff with versus festival it's they they just they they have done such a great job as organizers and and leslie hertig at the festival the vancouver writers festival obviously she's just doing such great work both with the programming of the festival right which is amazing Mm -hmm. and then the insight series is excellent and i i wanted to talk to you and then of course you mentioned jay jay simpson and i wanted to ask you a little bit about indigenous brilliance and uh because that was that was a project that you and jay and and some others started a couple years ago too um also involving Mm -hmm. massey yeah for sure so um i'm really excited this year um we're having another kind of all-day event so Last year, so we're going to be in our Indigenous Brilliance will be three years old mm-hmm. at, at the Growing Room Festival. It'll be our three-year-old anniversary. So that's really exciting. And we've really grown a lot in that time. So Indigenous Brilliance in itself is just a, in partnership with Room Magazine, it is its own reading series that's also held quarterly. It started with Patricia Massey at Massey Books and Yanina Curtin, who is no longer uh, a co-organizer of the reading series, mm-hmm. but was one of the initial organizers and sort of dreamers of this enti- the entire thing. They came together and had a discussion about creating a series that spotlighted Indigenous storytellers, women, and two-spirit and non-binary folks. And I came on to sort of help them in that endeavor and from there, we've really, yeah, we've just snowballed into just more and more amazing things. So Jay Simpson came on board shortly after um, Piketty Nina stepped back. And Emily Dentis Oak has come on board since then when I had to step sort of side a little bit mm-hmm. once I started the managing editor role and my responsibilities there became a lot more and Carmela Benedito Zavaros, she came on very recently as like a one of our interns. And so we're just growing as a collective there. And our reading series is just really beautiful and always packed. Yeah. And just, we just feature, I feel like, just the most brilliant storytellers that you know, are within, like, that we can get (laughs) to come out and and share space with us. Yeah. So last year, we had a really big all-day event, and it was, again, um, at the festival, and it was really successful and wonderful and loved it. But we really, uh, we're doing a similar thing, but we're just being very careful about our capacity this year. So last year, curating the entire day and also hosting and stuff, it was just a lot for us. 
So we renegotiated our capacities and our boundaries with it. And we still wanted to have like a full day event. And we just wanted to, we wanted to, you know, grow, but in a way that wasn't necessarily just about size. So we wanted yeah. to, you know, grow in the way we were telling, we were storytelling. So we have this year, Indigenous Brilliance is being held on a Sunday and it's being held from 1 to 9 p.m. And there's just like three events that are being held that day. And we have like a reading in the morning or the early afternoon. And then we're going to be showing a film in the later afternoon. We're going to be showing The Body Remembers When the World Broke Open. Directors Ella Ma- Maya Tailfeathers and Kathleen Hepburn uh, were the directors there. And that will the film will be followed by a discussion between Jade Baxter and Justin Ducharme. And then we have like an evening to close everything off and like to close off the entire festival. Mm-hmm. And it's like a... It'll be like a performance, like everyone there are musicians and performers, and it's going to be an amazing way to close off the evening. And the folks that we have coming out, the Indigenous storytellers that are going to be a part of this entire, like, day full of brilliance you know that's really amazing and i'm yeah super excited for it that's amazing i I love what i'm seeing and what i'm feeling and hearing from you about the festival this year one interesting detail that i saved towards the end uh, to ask you about towards the end of this interview is can you tell our audience a little bit about the growing room 2020 food truck yeah i would love to um (laughs) i'm going to talk to you about our food truck and our marketplace yes we have vendors coming in as well Um, So this year, because we, so our dream, our initial dream was to have everything all in one place for the festival. And it was just something we were not able to pull off. We needed more venues than any one place could give us, given our, again, our capacities with budget. And, you know, we, we needed an accessible as accessible at least for, you know, mobility, folks with mobility issues Mm -hmm. and uh, wheelchairs. And so we were working with, within those parameters, what we were able to secure. But getting Emily Carr meant that we had um, the ability to reach out to a food truck. So mm-hmm. we're partnering with Day, which is a, a celebration of Syrian cuisine, their food truck that are, um, you know, run by Syrian women who started the food truck a couple of years ago and are just doing really well. They have amazing food. They look they're going to be at, yes, yes. They're so, so good. So they're going to be parked outside of Emily Carr from uh, 1130, 630, both on Saturday and Sunday when Great. we have all of our events that are held at Emily Carr. And inside of Emily Carr, we are going to have a marketplace. So at Indigenous Brilliance last year, we had like a mini marketplace at our all day event, which is another reason why it made things so busy for us. Mm. And so this year we thought, well, why don't we just make that even bigger and um, have it at Emily Carr? So we have a bunch of different vendor vendors, all BIPOC entrepreneurs who are going to be coming out and hanging with us by our book table at Emily Carr. Uh, We have everything from, you know, indigenous made jewelry to print to zines. We have like, yeah, a bunch of cool facial products and just like amazing things yeah. at um, Vendor Marketplace as well. It looks it looks great. I'm really excited about that food truck and uh, and the vendor and the vendor marketplace looks great. I can only imagine that in the next couple of years that's it's going to grow 
and to something something that will uh, I don't know it'll, it, everything that's happening with Growing Room just seems like there's a little bit more every year, which is I suppose appropriate yeah. given the name, you know. Yeah, yes, we do like to play on that name. So how can uh, there's there's opportunities for people to be involved? I understand uh, there's also opportunities for people to sponsor ticket oppor- yes. ticket opportunities for stuff like that. So uh, how can people? Um, how can people get involved? For sure. So um, there's a couple ways. Register for events. Just come out. All our events are for registering are uh, by donation and pay what you can. So this is for financial accessibility. We want to keep our festival running yeah. and we want to keep it running for, for free or at least very affordable for folks to come out. This is really important to us. So for this reason, you know, going to events, if you're able to donate, this is how we're going to be able to keep it running in this way. Mm-hmm. So you can register. We have all of our um, events on Eventbrite. And, but through our website, you can see all the events that we have up and you can just go in and register. And that's how you get involved there. Uh, there are a couple of events that you can sponsor other folks to come. So you can, if you're not able to come, you can actually just donate. So other people can, you know, kind of <laughs> take advantage of the, um, access- the financial accessibility and be able to attend Mm -hmm. and we also have for folks who are not able to attend in person or are out of town we do have an online event this year as well which i'm really excited about so people can sign up for that and register and just go in it anywhere you have an internet connection well jess congratulations on on planning growing room this year um and try to get yourself some rest for uh for the event (laughs) and uh, so people can can access roommagazine.com. Uh, they can find you guys on all the social medias. And thank you again for taking the time and talking to us about Growing Room. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time in chatting with me. And I hope to see you. I know I'll see you yeah. at some events. And yeah. I hope to see other folks listening out there as well. Yeah. Thanks, Jess. Have a great day. Awesome. Thanks, Sean. Bye.